You are Behind the Curtain, powered by LaPrenza. To read more, go to LaPrenzaSD.com. Welcome to another episode of Behind the Curtain. My name is Art Castaneris, the publisher of La Prensa San Diego newspaper. This is a podcast that will take you behind the curtain and see what's really going on in San Diego politics. My guest host today is Barbara Bree, former member of the San Diego City Council. Today, Barbara and I are going to talk about SDG&E's franchise agreement. That's the agreement that allows either SDG&E or a new company to provide energy services throughout San Diego. Barbara, this is a big issue. It's going to be fun today. Yep. Well, this is a big issue for San Diego. It's one of the most important issues uh, San Diego Mayor Todd Gloria and the City Council are going to make in the next few months to decide who will provide our residents and businesses with electricity and gas, who will be awarded what is called the franchise agreement. It's important because it will impact how much we pay and our electric rates are the highest in California and it will impact our ability to meet our climate action plan goals. The process starts with issuing what is called an invitation to bid. The prior mayor, Kevin Faulkner, issued an invitation to bid and the city council, when I was on the council, discussed criteria we'd like to see in it. But uh, these were very lengthy meetings and it was very hard for us uh, to reach a consensus. Um, only SDG&E actually responded to uh, Faulkner's invitation to bid. Uh, this bid was opened in January and was deemed non-responsive. Mayor Gloria has issued a new invitation to bid and all the bids will be opened on April 16th. But it's likely as before that there will only be one bidder, San Diego Gas and Electric. Today, we have two guests who are experts in the energy field. Mark Ellis was an executive at Sempra Energy, the parent of SDG&E for more than 15 years. He served as chief economist and chief of corporate strategy. Tyson Siegel is the energy analyst for the Protect Our Communities Foundation in San Diego. Their focus is on clean energy and environmental solutions through advocacy and law. Welcome to, to our show, uh, Mark and Tyson. Thanks for having us on. Yeah, so my first question, uh, and I'll direct it to Tyson first. What do you think of the criteria in the current invitation to bid and what would you in an ideal world make do different, have done differently? Right, so I think that there are uh, a couple of really important criteria that uh, protect the citizens of San Diego. Uh, those two criteria are uh, the length of the agreement and then the ability for the city to purchase the infrastructure if it decides to change service providers at some point in the future. And so what we have been requesting for the last several years is a, a five-year term, five-year length of the agreement that would protect customers in, in a couple different ways. One, it would allow for the customers to be able to switch uh, from one utility to another at some point if the city decides that's the direction that they want to go. Um, now, that would be a, a shorter term than the 50-year term that we, we're just coming off of. Clearly, if it's a 50-year term, then the city is stuck. For so what, but what is, what is in the current invitation to bid? What length of time? So the current invitation to bid has another very, very long term. It's a, a 10 plus 10, but it's essentially a de facto 20 year term. 
And that is another generational type of length agreement that will not allow for uh, adjustments uh, with the, the rapidly changing technology that we're taking a look at, the clean energy, et cetera. And Mark, what would, if anything, would you change? Tyson hit the nail on the head. I think those are the two most important criteria, the length of term. And in five years is great. It gives the city plenty of time to uh, explore different alternatives and then to pre-negotiating uh, the right and ideally some mechanism for determining the price uh, for, the city, for the city to buy out the, uh, the, infra the existing infrastructure. I guess otherwise you can end up in lengthy negotiations about what is the thing, what is that infrastructure, the grid worth. So yes. Mark, Mark, so you, you know, you've studied uh, the electric rates that we pay in San Diego. They're the highest in California. Why are our electric rates so high? So that's uh, an interesting question. I put it down to um, really it's the regulatory model. So when you look across the country, um, it's kind of two, uh, one thing that jumps out at you, two things that jump out at you. One is that historically, looking back over the last 20 years, looking back over basically the, the history of the utility industry, um, investor-owned utilities that are regulated by state PUCs, public utilities commissions, tend to have higher rates than municipally owned utilities. Um, so that's sort of a nationwide phenomenon. It's been true for basically the entire electric um, utility industry. And then two, which is more um, of a phenomenon of, phenomenon of the last 20 years, is that rates in California, um, particularly of the investor-owned utilities, have gone up much faster than rates in the rest of the country. Um, so those are the, and, and so what you're seeing there is two different issues. One is just the discrepancy between investor-owned and, and um, municipally owned, and um, then specifically what's going on with Cal uh, CPUC or California investor-owned utilities. Mm -hmm. And the reason why investor-owned utilities tend to have higher rates than municipally owned is because their cost of capital is much higher. So they have um, equity investors that they have to compensate and that rate of return is regulated by the PUC and it tends to be much higher than municipal entities' cost of capital. Great. Um, yeah. Art, um, Art, I think you, yeah, something so, you'd like to. Yeah, Mark, when you talk about that, you make a really good point. I worked for the legislature for 13 years and dealt a lot with the, with the utilities throughout the state. And you're right, we have seen that the investor young utilities that are that, um, that under the PUC, they have their guaranteed profit rolled in. They have to get, uh, get approval for the rate structure. And so they pass on all their costs. So one of the things in San Diego is that the city gets a 60 to $80 million per year payment from SDG&E to use the, to be able to deliver power in San Diego. And that just gets right, rolled right back into the rate base and the taxpayers pay for it, right? So- well, Yeah, the res we all pay for it in our right, utility so, bill. So 60 or $80 million a year right off the bat is just to give, we pay that just to give it right back to the city. And so really it's another tax that's on there. But one of the things that is difficult that I think people don't understand is there is this sunk cost. SDG&E has invested and passed on to us in our rate base all of the poles and wires and infrastructure to deliver power. And now there's this unknown number that has to be paid to be able to buy it back from them. But in essence, didn't we already pay for it? Yeah, that's actually a good question because they've been earning a return on their rate base, a guaranteed return. And on... they've been charging us for yeah. their sunk cost. So isn't that now double dipping? Don't we already own, owe or own, I guess, do we only owe the remainder of the, Part that they haven't recovered or do we owe 
what the entire infrastructure is worth? So the, that's a good question. Um, so in principle, uh, their invested capital is, is, it takes into account what's already been paid for. In other words, they invested X, you know, a billion dollars at 10 years ago, and that investment is depreciated over time. So if it was 20 years depreciation, it would be instead of a billion dollars today, it would be worth half a billion dollars today. But, but, not, only, and, but not only depreciated though, we also made payments on it every year yes. in our rate base, right? They, we, yeah. Our SDG and bill, the way that they come up with that price is all of their costs plus profit. Yes, so there's the depreciation, all the operating costs plus their profit on top of that. Right. And that's so how much we, have we paid. Fully so compensated. How, so, how that. much of ratepayers paid down on this infrastructure? How much do we? Does anybody know what the value is? What's left? So, there's two different values one could think of for the value of that infrastructure. The book value, which you could think of as the remaining balance that isn't paid down. So, it's almost equivalent to the remaining balance on your mortgage. You paid interest in principal for a number of years, and then there's a remaining balance. The book value is a close, approx a close approximation, or the rate base value is a close approximation of the remaining balance. Um, then there's the market value, which tends to be a significant significant margin above the, uh, the book value or the rate base value. Because that Very would good. be the replacement cost. So what are the politics, um, Tyson? Um, how much money's at stake? Who's supporting the current invitation to bid the way it's written? Uh, what groups would like something different? So, there have been a number of memos that have been issued by various uh, city council members, letting the mayor know what they are interested in seeing in the invitation to bid. All four of the memos that I know about um, are, they were released before the invitation to bid was actually put out on the street. Every single one of them said that they wanted to see a five-year term, a five-year length of contract. And yet the, the mayor moved forward with a 20-year term. So we know that the city council has enough votes to block the current invitation. Because right, it needs six votes, right? It needs because six votes it, to vote. Exactly. So as, as soon as you have four votes, then you can block any new franchise agreement. Now, that's, that's really important because the, the current city council also, under the city charter, is the body that is supposed to make up the terms, is supposed to let the mayor know what terms they want to see. So city charter section 103 said that uh, the, the city council is in charge of the, the terms of the agreement, and yet the, the mayor has not gone to the city council. Well, and, the, and I, I know that uh, there was a lawsuit filed just the other day uh, to that very effect that the city council should be setting the terms and not the mayor. But why was this lawsuit filed now and not last, you know, last year when Kevin Faulkner issued his invitation to bid? So there, there have been multiple rounds of, uh, of lawsuits that have been filed. The most recent one, uh, you're, you're absolutely correct, was uh, filed by a former uh, city attorney, um, a city attorney who clearly knows what is in the city charter and understands that the, the current invitation to bid is illegal.
I know we're talking about this issue about time, um, but isn't this also a problem with if it's too short of a period? Isn't it, isn't it too hard for a, whoever comes in, whether it's SDG&E or another company, to then recoup their investment on new expenditures if they want to do uh, green energy or solar or something else? Uh, how long of a period is it reasonable that they can then make these investments that people are going to want to go green or more green? And is there enough time for them to recover that over a five or 10 year contract? They don't necessarily need to recover the full investment over that time period. So if you keep in mind that the idea of the, the mortgage analogy, right? So you can sell your home before you've paid back your mortgage, right? And you just have to repay the remaining balance so that whoever comes in after, after them and your bank doesn't mind because they've been paid interest all that time. Mm-hmm. So the same thing with the, with the, with whether it's SDG or another investor who comes in for a five-year period, they're going to make an investment. Um, they're going to earn a fair rate of return on that investment for however long they hold it. Now, clearly they would prefer to hold it indefinitely, sure. but they're still going to be fairly compensated in the meantime. So, so their protection um, would be the value at the back end that if they then lose that contract at the end of this next term, the next person would be buying them out as well. Yeah. Yes. And, and let's just say a lot of money's at stake. You know, San Diego Gas and Electric is a subsidiary of Sempra. Uh, they make over 800 million a year in profit uh, from San Diego Gas and Electric. So um, I guess I'd like to ask Mark and Tyson how you would advise the city to move forward. Uh, let's start with Tyson. How would you advise the city to move forward? Well, I, I think that uh, we, we do have to keep in mind just how much money is at stake here. So the under the previous administration, uh, Mayor Faulkner hired a, a, a few different um, consultants to take a look at what the best pathway forward for the city would be. Uh, one of the, those consultants said that even without assuming any rate increases in the future, that a 20-year franchise agreement would be worth $6.4 billion to whoever, uh, whichever franchisee wins the bid. And so that is an absolutely enormous amount of money. That's that's profit that the, the new franchisee would make. That is uh, money that's pulled out of the city of San Diego. And that is money that, you know, comes out of, you know, each of our pockets. So uh, that's really important to keep in mind. Um, now, there is, uh, in addition to a, a franchise agreement, there's also the option that the city could move forward with a public utility, could uh, retain all of those profits for ratepayers, for the citizens of San Diego, and for the city. And so it's really a, a matter of whether or not the city council and the mayor want to retain $6.4 billion for us, for the city of San Diego, or whether or not it wants to make a gift essentially to a new franchisee. And so I would, uh, I, I would recommend uh, like, like Protect Our Communities has been doing for the last several years that the city strongly consider uh, the option of a, a public utility. Now those same consultants that uh, Mayor Faulkner hired said that if that first invitation to bid uh, was rejected, if there were no uh, bidders who were deemed responsive and sdg was not deemed responsive because they had many, many different edits to yes. invitation to bid. Um, if, if that invitation to bid was essentially rejected by all bidders, that the city should at that point move forward with a public utility. Right. And so the current mayor is, um, is rejecting the 
uh, the best recommendations from the expert consultants. Great. So I'd like to get uh, Mark's thoughts on how, he, if there's, he has any other thoughts on how he would move forward. And I gather the reason you would support the five-year uh, term, uh, Tyson, is that would give the city time uh, to study something and not be rushed. Um, Mark, yeah. any last thoughts on how you would advise the city to move forward? Yeah, so it's interesting. Tyson and I have never met before, but we have a lot. We agree on on these issues too. And very uh, different backgrounds. Agree. <laughs> so, uh, so I agree that that um, you know you want to you want a short term um, because you want to have another bite at this apple to explore additional options, but you want a long enough time to give the city enough time to fully investigate the different options. Um, with respect to the franchise versus public, the public power um, concept or public power idea, you know, I, I do think the franchise, um, you still remain under PUC regulation, and that's just a very high cost and low control model. In other words, you're still under an investor-owned utility construct, and the decisions are made by the PUC in, in San Francisco. They're not made locally. The, um, the public power option is, has the potential to be much lower cost um, and also much greater local control. The challenge has been there are not a lot of precedents of communities uh, going public power in the, in the last few decades. It's just a very challenging process. It takes a lot of political will and stamina to achieve it. But um, one thing I did learn at SEMPRA, SEMPRA while I was there, um, bought another utility in Texas. And this was a utility that was very coveted and it was multiple um, parties tried to buy it over about five or 10 years and the deals always fell apart. And what Semper did is they looked at why all the other deals fell apart and then they, and they learned from that and they put together a proposal that satisfied all the conditions that sort of caused the deal to fall apart in the past. And I think that's what San Diego needs to do if they're thinking about the municipal or the public power option they need to look at why these deals have failed in the past and try to go into the whole process knowing what the pitfalls are and addressing them proactively. Well, Mark and Tyson, uh, we're very appreciative that you took the time to join uh, Behind the Curtain today on a subject that impacts every San Diegan today and tomorrow. All right, thank you both for being here today and your insight, uh, both uh, Mark Ellis, Tyson Siegel, we appreciate it. Thank you both. Great. Thank you so much for having me on. It's been a pleasure. Thanks for having me. Barbara and I will be back in a couple minutes to wrap up. Thank you. For the last 10 years, IVN has brought you over 10,000 articles from hundreds of independent-minded authors dedicated to a simple etiquette rather than an ideology. We're proud to be rated center by allsides.com and least biased by mediabiasfactcheck.org. It is that nonpartisan spirit that is at the core of our journalistic mission. Today, we introduce you to a new era at IVN. We're handing over the mic, so to speak, to our independent contributors to develop their own shows, their own voice, and their own brand. In short, IVN is providing a programming platform for organizations, experts, and talented journalists to share news, information, and commentary with readers and listeners who think for themselves. We hope you find a few shows that you like. We hope you connect directly with our contributors. And as always, we hope you continue to think for yourself.
Welcome back to Behind the Curtain. Barbara, that was a great exchange here with Mark and Tyson about a really complex issue. I've been working in energy stuff when I worked with the legislature and the last 12 years I've been involved on my business side with the solar energy business. And I deal with the utility companies both in Southern California, Edison and San Diego. So these guys are really informative. But what did you think about how big of a problem it's going to be to decide what to do with the energy? Well, the, po the politics are very interesting. And actually my background is I covered uh, the PUC for the LA Times. Oh, right. when, when you couldn't spell solar, 78 to 84. <laughs> yeah, so I, right. and I actually understand what return on rate base is. Right. Uh, but um, I think the politics are very complicated. Uh, what's key is if four members of the city council will be adamant that they only want a five-year term, there's not going to be a choice. Uh, for San Diego Gas and Electric, we'll either have to uh, agree to that or just walk away. Now I think they're not going to walk away. They're not going to walk away <laughs> from 800 million a year, um, but you know their world is changing. You know, and I was you know an internet entrepreneur back you know starting in the mid 90s as the world was changing around us, and the internet disrupted many businesses. The energy world is being disrupted right now, and what's been viable or been able companies have been able to do in the past is not necessarily, they're not going to necessarily be able to do that in the future uh, with, you know, we now have San Diego community power. Uh, looks like uh, we're going to have some sort of major infrastructure legislation on a federal level that will invest in renewable energies. And it's just going to shake up everything. That's not necessarily a bad thing for uh, consumers. Yeah, that's right. The, the energy business is like a hundred year old business. They're still delivering power over wires, but you're right with, uh, with distributed generation, with solar, with wind, all these different things, the market has changed. But the thing that some people don't understand is that these wires, there's got to be a way to deliver whatever power we get from whatever source all the way to your house. And it takes wires and poles and underground. So there is this sunk cost that is very difficult for SUG to walk away. And I just worry that the same city council that we have had other shows about dealing with 101 Ash and uh, 1401 Imperial, and all these other things, do we really think that that city council can negotiate a multi-billion dollar deal in a short amount of time? Or I think the politics, it's just gonna default to a very short extension for SDG&E with a light at the end of the tunnel. I would think that they negotiate a two or three year deal with SDG&E saying, during that period, we're not just renewing the contract, we're gonna work toward a buyout value and an absolute end where we know that we can make a wholesale change, which may end up being either community power or a whole new structure we can't even think about today. Right, yeah, the world is changing, battery technology is improving, microgrids are coming, a lot is going to change. Thank you for joining us for another episode of Behind the Curtain. Barbara and I learned a lot today, we hope you did too. For more information on this story and all the other stories we're covering, please visit us online at laprensasd.com and on social media at La Prensa SD. Thank you, and we'll see you again behind the curtain. Behind the Curtain is produced by J.C. Polk of IVN in San Diego, California. Join the discussion by finding other podcasts at ivn.org. Thanks for listening to Behind the Curtain, powered by La Prensa, San Diego's original Latino newspaper. To learn more, visit laprinzasd.com.
Hey, if you're listening to this, you're a content consumer. Ever heard of You Are What You Eat? I'm Jeff Marston, host of The Extra Point on IVN. When you finish listening to this stimulating episode, get an extra serving of enlightenment with a side of intrigue. Join us on The Extra Point, where we're cooking up multiple points of view and mixing it up with various topics. Let's have a healthy discussion in good taste. And don't forget your etiquette. It's The Extra Point with Jeff Marston on IVN.org. Serving it up for you. Hey, what the hell are we, a podcast or a burger joint? Who writes this stuff? 